Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Everyday Podcast titled Being a CEO at 20 and a COO at 19. I am your host, Matt Esposito, and I'm going to let our wonderful co-host introduce himself. I am your co-host, Andrew Sadikov, and on today's episode, we're going to discuss what it's like to be a CEO and COO at the following ages, but the thing is, we're no longer those ages. So we're going to be talking about our experience from about a year, two years ago, when we were, you know, CEO at 20 and COO at 19, uh, even though we no longer are. And make sure I want to check out the last episode, uh, episode one. We've been getting some good feedback on it. So if you haven't already, be sure to check out our YouTube channel and website and check that out. Uh, just to give you guys some general podcast updates before we dive in, uh, our website is almost complete. By the time this episode comes out, it should be. Um, so feel free to check that out at everydaypodcast.biz. That's B-I-Z at the end. The other domain was $2,000, so don't even think about it. Um, our email is now active, so you can interact with us via email if you have any questions or you know want to come on as a guest or anything like that. Feel free to shoot us an email. And our social media accounts are off and running, so be sure to follow us on Facebook at Everyday Podcast FB and Instagram at Everyday Podcast IG. All right. So moving on to the three, the three main topics that we're going to talk about today. One, we're going to dive into the full story of the everyday brand. I know in episode one we talked about it a little bit, but we really, really want to dive in because it's obviously really good background information for the entire podcast and any episode moving forward. So we're going to be sure to cover that. Um, the second thing we're going to talk about is the reality of entrepreneurship and being your own boss. And the third thing is going to be our position breakdown. So we're kind of going to get into the technical side of things and see what a day in the life um, for me and Andrew is. Um, so we're, we're really excited for this episode. This, you know, entrepreneurship is our, our biggest passion. And, you know, we have so much to talk about. And I wanted to state this before we even go on. We're, we're not just going to do one episode on this topic. We're going to, I mean, every episode is going to incorporate some form of, you know, discussing entrepreneurship. Um, but we're really excited for this episode, and we think we have a lot of stories to tell, a lot of advice to give. Right. Um, this is how, this is what we want the podcast to stem from. And also something to keep in mind before we get into this is that we think this information also applies to the majority of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, not only people that have experienced what we have, but people that are looking to get into entrepreneurship. Um, what we talk about doesn't really just apply to people within our industry. We want you to keep in mind that, you know, I think this, we think this applies to the general population, which is why we're telling the stories and, and giving advice in the first place, because we can feel we can, we can help out others. I don't know if, if you have anything to add to that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and nevertheless, we hope it's entertaining regardless. So yeah. even if this is something that maybe you're not exactly an entrepreneur, but you're still interested in this kind of lifestyle, there's a lot of young kids out there who maybe aren't in a position where they can open a company yet, but they want to know as much as they can for once they get to that age. You know, this is an awesome resource for them, too. And we're in a good mood. It's been a good week. We've done some amazing projects. We got some new prospective clients, um, great people that we're really hoping to work with. And uh, let's get this started. Right. So let's dive into the full story of the everyday brand. So let's start with ED. So Everyday Espo was the first uh, first company in the everyday brand. So it started as a YouTube channel. Uh, me and my brother, we started doing car reviews. I think it was my junior, junior or senior year of high school, a um, couple years back. And, you know, we would just review cars like our family, our, our, the cars that our family owns, our friends. You know, we My tried, Civic at some point yeah, got reviewed. Yeah, Civic at some point. Basically anything we could pick up and try and get some cool content. And a couple months down the road, I think it was like eight months later, we started getting a little bit of traction, had a couple thousand views. Uh, we got in touch with a local dealership, Circle BMW, over in the road in Eaton Town. Great team. We love them. They're our first client. Um, I mean, wouldn't be here, you know, Absolutely. if it wasn't for them anyways. Right. But... Um, we got in touch with uh, Circle BMW, uh, local dealership, and we ended up coming to this agreement where we'd come in and we would, we would be, you know, we would have access to their inventory at the BMW dealership, um, and we could use them for our car reviews in exchange for, you know, putting up like an advertisement for them. So it was like a win-win situation. Here I am at 17, 18 years old, and now I have the opportunity to drive around a new M4, and put it on my YouTube channel, and it, it was a win-win situation. 
And it ended up a couple months after we got into that. Um, and keep in mind that I was still in, I was personally still in college. Um, I was actually a neuroscience major at the University of Delaware. I thought I was going to be a doctor uh, for pretty much all of my life. Uh, I wanted to be a dermatologist to be more specific. Um, so while we were running this YouTube channel, I was going back and forth from school on the weekends and editing it on iMovie, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so after a while, Circle BMW came in and talked to us and they said, you know, can you guys do these videos for us? But we want to do some, we want to use some video in, in our advertising efforts. And I was like, well, all right, sure. Here we are with our phone. Here we are with our like iPhone. Yeah, literally. Or something like that filming. And this we had is, one of those uh, yeah. DJI little gimbal things. Yeah. I remember that thing. Yeah. yeah. And this was even before Andrew was involved. Right. Yeah. Anyone. I wasn't even, company didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I wasn't involved. I knew of the channel because everybody in school would talk about it. Yeah. They, oh, the uh, Everyday Espo channel, you know, got some pretty good feedback from the, from the kids, you know, but. And I'm not really sure how I got the name, by the way. It just came to me one day, uh, and we kind of stuck with it. Obviously, my last name is Esposito, so Espo for short. Um, and we transferred that over to the company when we formed the LLC. But going back to what I was talking about with Circle BMW, you know, they approached us after doing these car reviews for a couple months, and they asked, if, asked us if we could assist them in their advertising efforts, you know, doing some video. Um, and obviously, that, that was a paid job, and we were like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's try it out. And soon enough, they referred us to basically their brother or sister dealership, whatever you want to refer to, uh, Circle Auto Group over in Shrewsbury, another great group of people. We love them. Um, and they asked us the same thing. They said, hey, can you guys, are you guys able to create a TV spot for them? And that's when we were like, well, what the heck, a TV spot? There we are with our iPhones, like I said before. You know, we mm -hmm. didn't have any professional equipment. We had, you know, nothing like that. Um, and I left that meeting and I was – you know, I was in the car driving home and I was thinking to myself, well, if these two businesses need these video services, maybe other dealerships also need these services or e even a bigger picture, maybe other businesses in other industries could utilize these services. And a month later, um, I believe I was a freshman. Yeah, I was a freshman in college at this time. A month later, um, I decided to form the LLC for Everyday Espo. As I said, that was the first um, company in the Everyday brand. Um, and from there, we started out with a total of four guys. I think Andrew came on right away. That's where yep. um, he came into play. Um, I know you told the, the the story last episode, but you said you were you saw my job post on Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat, that. literally part-time filmmakers. Quite, quite honestly, it, yeah. it was a super, super simple thing. So, you know, Andrew might be chief operating officer at ED now, but he started out as a multimedia specialist. And then from there, uh, he moved up to operations manager before being made COO. Um, so, you know, he started, I mean, as a filmer too. Um, right. So after that summer, I created the LLC um, and we were strictly just a photo and video company. We also advertised that we could do some social media work moreover just content creation um in the photo and video wise um but the fall rolled around and the business started to grow we started adding graphic designers and added graphic design as a service um, we got our first gig for a furniture company uh we were asked to do a tv commercial um which we filmed oh my god <laughs> in my garage my parents were nice enough to let us utilize the garage and it was you, you, I don't know. How would you describe that? That was very interesting. We're sitting there in the hot like garage. There's no air conditioning. Honestly, yeah. We had all seven of the team members. I think by August we had like six or seven team members right. working on the project. And it was like our big debut. We were like, we need to use this and run with it, you know. And the product was, and we still we still do the marketing for them. Right. Obviously, a lot of things have changed since then, uh, but an amazing product, the motor van. But um. There's an iconic image of it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's sitting in the garage and it's shot from outside the house. Yeah. And you can see it's the middle of the night, right? So it's it's dark. You know, you can barely see the trees. You can barely see, you know, the cars in the background of the mm -hmm. house. And you've just got the two lights on in the garage and the couch and the green screen behind it. It's mm -hmm. hilarious shot. And then the rest of the team is messing around, trying yeah. to fix the lighting, trying to fix the couch, the screen, the cameras, all of that stuff. So... And for me, from a business perspective, like I just list, like we just got to get this done no matter what it took. So I think I lost like hundreds of dollars and, and, you know, labor hours just to try and get some product out there, which to be honest with you for back then with what we had, like the commercial inside right. the playroom that we ended, we ended up transitioning inside to see what we could do. Um, we utilized like our, the game room inside my house um, and tried to make it into a college dorm. I think 
they came out well like i would i would show that commercial to somebody right now yeah i wouldn't say that it's a good example of our commercials but i would definitely show it to somebody without necessarily being embarrassed by it so anyways from there the business kind of grew um and i was still attending uh udell in the fall of that year Um, but i tried to transition into the business and entrepreneurship school because i knew medicine wasn't for me then Uh, but i was actually rejected from the school of business and entrepreneurship and that's when i kind of had enough of that and when i left in december um, I didn't, I planned on going back, but once I got back, I was, you know, and I started working and, and things started to pick up even more. I, I just decided that I, I was going to put college to the side for now. Um, and for now it turned into forever, but, um, anyways, and I don't regret my decision at all. Um, you know, the everyday brand wouldn't be where it was today if, if I was still in college. Um, so that's when I made the decision to go full time on, you know, running the company and still at the time there was only EDE. And from there, uh, when I got home that fall, uh, that's that's when things started to get really serious, when we decided to transition into a full-service agency. So we started to add web developers and digital marketing strategists and SEO experts. And right. The list goes on and on. Um, so that, what, January, February, March, that's when, that's when we made the transition uh, into a full-service marketing agency. And moving on from that, uh, since then, obviously, we've added a lot of new staff members, um, We've taken out a lot of new projects, whole different ball game now than it was then. And that was what, a year and a half ago, two yeah, years? Something like that. You're right. So, and, you know, moving on to Everyday Studios, we're in the process of, of uh, getting that off the ground. Obviously, uh, the global pandemic put a little bit of a damper on our plans, um, but we're working very hard to, you know, get that company off the ground. Technically, we can provide services, and we do uh, within that company now, but getting everything together is just taking a little bit longer than we expected um do you have anything to add andrew about the everyday brand i don't know any background information that may be useful to the audience you know that'll um, help them in the future just in terms of anything to do with yeah, not really um i guess at some point we're going to mention um not even so much here but just you know the mistakes we've made and then the lessons we've learned you know from there i think a very big point for us was um and i talked to matt about it this today um was that before we used to disagree on a lot of things and now we don't so much um pretty much at all but I remember when we first got the office and, you know, Matt was excited to get the office. He wanted the team to be together in one space, you know, creative minds, thinking together, working together. And I was like, absolutely not. Like we were working out of Matt's garage. We've got one camera, you know, two lenses, you know, we're borrowing people's, you know, equipment if we need something, you know, maybe somebody has a reflector that we could use or maybe some of these guys, oh, they've got a light, right? Um, so at the time I was, I was quite terrified to put that kind of overhead um, but I remember uh, it turned out phenomenally well, honestly, and everything, you know, every step that we've kind of taken forth has definitely pushed us, you know, towards success, towards the direction that we want to be in. Um, and now he wants a bigger office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So and, and like you said, we're going to kind of dive into the specifics of, of our, our journey in the entrepreneurship world. But we wanted to kind of take a, a couple minutes to discuss how how this happened, you know. Um, in terms of forming the everyday brand. Anything to add to that before we move on? No, let's move on. All right, cool. So the next topic is the reality of entrepreneurship and being your own boss. And before I even dive into this, because it's, you know, it's a very, I don't want to say touchy subject, but it's, I get very, not, I don't know what the correct word for it. Maybe heated is when it comes to entrepreneurship and and talking about my my journey. I guess I I take it on a personal level. Let's say excited. Yeah, excited. That's right. But, um, you know, before I start, I want to say personally, I wouldn't change a thing about what I've done. Um, And even that goes to show like, you know, I've made I've made a ton of mistakes over the past couple of years uh, in in doing. But that's that's why we've gotten where we are. So I do want to state that I would not change a single thing the way things have gone, uh, because the experience that I've gained is absolutely priceless. Everything could disappear tomorrow and I'd probably be able to adjust myself into doing pretty much anything else or apply my knowledge and experience to, I don't even know, anything pretty much. Right, yeah, start but, another company. <laughs> and, and, you know, we we run into college students all the time, or, you know, we also deal with college graduates as they come on to, you know, ED or, you know, EDS. Um, and it just goes to show, it just re, re you know reiterates what I said about how much I've learned because I feel like I know a lot more than some kids that are still in college, um, especially in the business world. I've learned so much and it's absolutely priceless. Um, Yeah, there's no replacement for just going out and doing what you're doing. You know, as much as college can teach you, if you have the opportunity to start a business, mm -hmm. probably better off starting a business than 
you know, go into a business school. I mean, it depends if you're going to go to Harvard, go to Harvard. But in, in many different situations, you know, think, is this something that I could already be doing? You know, what steps can I be taking on my own? to get to these goals of mine, you know? And of course there's always risk, but that, I don't know, that's what I live for. And he likes ri risk too, Andrew, Andrew. Likes oh, absolutely, risk yeah. But um, I guess the next thing, uh, how people view our journeys. So uh, I don't know if, if you wanna start with this, um, but basically what we, what we mean by this is people have a certain view of entrepreneurship and the reality of it is kind of not what they, what's on the outside. Um, usually when people look at me and Andrew, and you can add to this too, or correct me if, if I'm wrong, they'll see, you know, they, they know that we work very hard for what we have. Yeah, they're but, being nice to us, right? Yeah, they'll give us the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but they see we drive these nice cars and we do these nice things and we meet these nice people. And I feel like people just think, oh, you know, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but like. Yeah, you're a typical, you know, businessman who mm -hmm. makes his money off of, you know, lying and cheating to others and stealing money from the American public, you know, through vicious means. And, and not even that, just like, I feel like people don't realize what we do or how we go about it. You know, they just see what's on the outside. And that's why we're here to kind of talk about what goes on on the inside um, to kind of give you guys some insight into the reality of entrepreneurship. So I guess to give our, our personal takes on entrepreneurship, I'm going to let Andrew start with his first. I know you have your notes on the right. second page too, but I'll, I'll let you start first on your personal take on entrepreneurship. And then like, like he said, we're, we're very passionate about this, um, this topic. So, so the biggest thing that, uh, for me, I've always, I grew up with a very tech background, right? So I'm going to school currently now for computer science. I was always, you know, math, science, technology, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't, understand that anything else besides you know stem you know realistically was was valuable was important was anything you know and it isn't to say that i had a problem with anything that wasn't stem i just didn't see how it kind of played into society for me it was there was technology you know people that make the technology that maintain the technology you know there are doctors you know dentists whatever that keep people alive and everything else you know entertainment food yeah all that stuff is important all of that stuff exists for sure and it just didn't play a big scope in, in my life. And at the time, my idea was I'm going to go to school. I'm going to, you know, learn everything I can learn. I'm going to get fantastic grades. I'll get hired somewhere. I don't need social skills. I don't realistically need any sort of directions. I don't need to realistically have my own opinion, anything like that. Um, you know, that was my plan. Through kind of entrepreneurship, through meeting Matt, through working with clients, I realized that everything that I thought was super important is so like in the background, you know, second place to everything that we actually do, you know, and, and it, before I used to think of kids, you know, maybe some, you know, somebody's not doing so well in school and I'm thinking, oh man, this kid's wasting his life. Like he's going out with his friends and like, you know, they're messing around or doing whatever teenagers do in high school. They're not studying, you know, like what is he doing? He's wasting his time. Now I look at these kids and go, hey, this kid probably has more social skills by the end of high school than I will by the time I'm 30. Like this man has done everything that he can. He can talk to anybody. You know, he can make conversations happen in elevators if he has to. All these skills, all those talents, they are monetable. They are something that you can bring to the table that you can offer to this world, you know, in entrepreneurship and outside of it. So a really big thing for me was realizing, you know, what is valuable, you know, that memorizing numbers and math equations actually is not as valuable as understanding how to live, how to make decisions, solve problems, you know, interpret what other people are saying for yourself. And the biggest thing for me was at the time I, you know, thinking numbers, I thought I was kind of just a number. You know, I'm a high school kid, decent GPA, decent SAT score, going to a decent school, or at least at the time I was hoping I'd be going to a decent school. I wasn't going to go to an Ivy or anything like that. I figured I wasn't important. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I was just a normal kid. I was going to drive in decent cars, live in a decent house for the rest of my life, you know, whatever. Um, the biggest change was when I started working with Matt and I realized that my time is valuable, that the things that I do, the, the content that I produce, the decisions that I, that I make actually affect people's lives. They affect people's businesses. They affect people's markets. You know, uh, where I set up a light in a specific video can be the difference between how quickly a car from Circle BMW sells or, you know, how many people share a video with their friends or what people think of, of a certain shot. Um, and from there, it's been, you know, you can't go back from that. You know, I, I, it's so difficult for me now if I'm doing homework, you know, I'm, I'm doing a computer science lab and there's, you know, a hundred other kids in my class who are doing the exact same lab who are going to come up with the exact same solution so that the professor can read through all those labs and, you know, delete them, throw them away. That's a very difficult step for me to make because now I'm used to the stuff that I do, you know, actually mattering. 
you know, and I think probably similar thing for Matt once he realized, you know, um, kind of just how much control you have over things and how, you know, important you can be, uh, how influential you can be over things. It's a different, it's a completely different lifestyle, completely different mindset for things. Um, yeah, before I tried, you know, kind of like, hey, you want to get good grades, you want to do well, but, you know, I can also, you know, play video games all night if I want to and not think about it. Now, you know, it's, you know, give your best all the time, but not even because like, oh, you got to give your best, right? Like Gary V said, give, you know, always give your best. So I'm going to do that. No, it's a matter of you want to, you wake up in the morning and you want to give your best, you know? So that was a huge thing for me. What do you think? Ah, I think that was uh, pretty good. Yeah. I want right. to make sure you covered everything. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm moving on. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing was, you know, um, you know, selling, right? Well, coming into this company, I actually told Matt that I will do anything. I'll fly drones. I'll edit videos. I'll position lights, you know, take apart cameras, whatever. I'm not going to do any sort of sales. That was the one thing I remember there was an application. There was a little like a almost like a grid pattern of things that you could circle. I circled everything and I specifically put a big red X through like sales, anything to do with clients, anything to do with sales. You know, that wasn't that wasn't my thing. I don't know. I don't want to persuade somebody to buy my video or anything like that. But eventually I ended up having to do it. Um, and I learned that it's not really selling. You know, I mean, for some situations, it definitely is right. Like if a telemarketer calls you or you get the, you know, the scam calls that you get. Yeah, they got to sell you on whatever scam like that is sales for certain. There is nothing else backing that interaction besides can I sell something, you know, a service that doesn't exist? Can I trick somebody? But here, you know, we're selling solutions to problems. You know, I come to a business, you know, my sales tactic is I sit down with the person. I say, okay, tell me about your marketing. And I listen to what they say. And in my head, I think, you know, long and hard and carefully about everything that they're saying. I create this image of, you know, their marketing efforts and see where can I apply my skills and the skills of my team to make this a better image, to make these efforts, you know, better. And from there, I realized that for one thing, people appreciate that a lot more than, you know, somebody trying to sell them a service. Right. And for another thing, you know, I enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I enjoy sitting down and, and solving problems and stuff like that. So a lot of the entrepreneurship stuff that you see online, even like the Gary Vee videos and, you know, Jason Capital and whoever else you might follow, um, you know, they're going to spew out as much information as they can, as quickly as they can in a very sales kind of matter. But, you know, sit down and really think about what you're doing. You know, there are problems that you need to solve, right? And that's that's where you're getting your clients from. That's where you're building your relationships from. That's what makes you valuable mm -hmm. as a business, as an individual, as a team member, you know, all that stuff. And then finally, um, balancing school and work. Uh, that's not something that I really expected. You know, people say, oh, side hustle, right? You're, oh my goodness. If this is a side hustle, then I don't know what a real hustle is because I put so much more hours into EDE and effort into EDE than I do into, you know, school or anything else. And it's not to say that I don't put effort into school. It's just a matter of, I don't know if you can start a business on the side. Like you need to be very stable and you need to have a very good sense of exactly what you want to do. Otherwise you just won't have enough time. You know, it'll take you a, a lot longer to get to the state at which you want to get to. So thinking of it as, as a, you know, eight hour work day, and then I'll spend two, three, four hours on my side hustle. No, it's going to be a 12 hour work day for your side hustle. And then you're going to fit everything else that you need to fit in. Somehow you're going to make it happen. Um, at the time when we first started, actually, Matt and I were putting in easily 12 hour days, um, you know, 12 hour days. Realistically, neither one of us was going to make anything off of that. If you count up all those hours yeah. within the first, you know, six months, maybe year and you multiply them out by the minimum wage, way more money in the minimum wage than there is in entrepreneurship, especially as, as a starting company. You're not making anything like that. Um, but as things kind of progress, that also balances out. So now I know Matt's putting in 12 hour days, but I'm not not anymore. I don't have to. I can. I always have the opportunity to, there's always projects, but nothing is going to happen if I don't do that. So right. you kind of get that side of freedom. Uh -huh. You know, I've been able to kind of step into my position. Everything's kind of been solidified. I don't need to run around. I don't need to do anything, um, you know, that crazy. So now I, I've got that freedom and that's the biggest thing that the first thing that's going to come with entrepreneurship is definitely going to be freedom, not money. Um, if you're interested in money, then probably, you know, go to pharmacy school, become a doctor. That's probably better than, you know, trying to build a business, especially if you don't like it, you know, don't do that. What do you think, Matt? Well, yeah, I mean, of course, we'll get there one day on the financial side, but right, of course, we've already seen an improvement. And I don't just mean in that. I mean, in terms of, like you said, the freedom that we have, by the way, if anyone thinks they're busy, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> he is getting a computer science degree and also runs a company with me. Like when I, when I say without a problem, I mean, like we don't have any issues in terms of 
like clients and workload and him not being able to complete what he does and his and his schoolwork. So right, if exactly. anyone thinks they're busy, that's a bunch of BS. But when you love it, you know, it's not so bad. Yeah, it's right. not it's not work when you you know, when you love what you do. Exactly. And the other side of it is before I move on to my personal take on entrepreneurship, I've seen him change like tenfold. And I mean that in like extremely positive way. Just his social skills and, and what he likes to do. I mean, I come into the office some days, and like you said, we used to argue a lot, and I guess we were just going through some growing pains. I, you know, yeah, we had a very different ideas. But also, again, the, you yeah. know, the arguing I encourage because that's why we got where we are today. You know right. what I'm saying? It's not, it's not a negative thing. Um, and I also agree about the 12 hour work days. I feel like we're also willing to if we need to. I mean, we always are. We've done exactly. it a couple times exactly. in the past, past month. Um, and we'll probably end up doing that for EDS anyways when that starts to pick up. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, we've definitely seen an improvement in it and, and everything, you know. But, um, and like I said, yeah, he's, he's changed a lot in all positive ways. I appreciate and, that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to see what happens over the next year or two. If, think about what we've, how far we've come in the past, you know, year, two, three. The next year, that's even going to be more improvement than what we did right. then. So, completely agree with everything he said. So move on to my personal take. Um, like I said, entrepreneurship is my favorite topic to talk about, but I feel like society has tainted it a lot. Um, and that's kind of the battle of perception versus reality. I feel like when it comes to entrepreneurship, the media always just likes, or not just the media, in, on an individual level, you only like to talk about all the good stuff. Like I said before, ooh, they drive these nice cars, ooh, they own a business, they're a CEO, they're a CEO, whatever the case may be. But no one ever talks about what it takes to get there or what it takes on a daily basis. You know, the sacrifice, the rejection, the loneliness, you know, me personally, it took a, I was very isolated in the beginning and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a negative way, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that I had to do on my own and I still have to do on my own that doesn't involve anyone else. Um, that requires me, just me, it requires me to be isolated. So you have to be extremely self-disciplined and self-motivated as an individual on a daily basis, you know, and e even the sacrifice and Andrew can speak to this too on a weekly basis, even still, even though we're not working 12 hour days, I've lost friends, you know, all these relationships because of, of, of what I do. Um, even family, I've had family mention to me multiple, you know, they, they know sometimes I can be distant because of work. I'll get yelled at for being distant because right. of work. Um, you know, like it, it takes a lot of sacrifice. Um, but you know, you, all you can hope in the end is, there, is that everyone's understanding and, you know, they do know at the end of the day that you're working towards something. There's a reason you're doing it. There's a reason we work 80 hours so we don't have to work 40. Some people may not understand it, but to me at the end of the day, as long as I do, then it doesn't matter. Um, and like I said, you know, I wouldn't, tr I wouldn't trade what I do for anything, like anything right. right now. When I get up in the morning, I'm so excited to do whatever it may be. Even this, the, the tedious tasks, like I just find some joy to it for some reason, you know, because when I get up in the morning, it's, not just for me. In fact, that's I'm last on the totem pole for everything, which I don't care anyways. But, um, you know, I get up for my team. I tell I tell them all the time. I say, I'm not here for me. I'm here for Andrew. I'm here for Cortez. I'm here for Joe. I'm here for everyone, you know, that, you know, that, that, and that's, that's what drives my passion for entrepreneurship is, is affecting others' lives. Not just my, my clients, but I think it dials down to my team at the end of the day is, is changing their lives and helping them progress in their fields. That, that's what I mainly care about, you know. But like I said, society's view on entrepreneurship, I feel, is a little bit tainted. And that's kind of why we created the podcast, too, to really give the insight and see if we can turn things around a little bit. You know, even if we change one person's perspective or give it, give advice to one person that ends up taking it, me and Andrew will probably be happy at the end of the day. Right, exactly. Um, I don't know if you have, have anything to add to that. Uh, no, other than, um, you know, coming from me when I first met you, right, and, and kind of just the stuff that you've been able to achieve. You know, I grew up in a Russian household. Both my parents are Russian. I was born here, but I grew up in Russia, right? So English is actually my second language. And the stereotype is always like lazy Americans. You know, that stereotype exists in Europe. That stereotype exists in Asia. You know, lazy Americans, right? And, you know, when I first met Matt, not to say that I thought of him as a lazy American, but I did not expect the amount of discipline that came out of this kid. I mean, I it was insane. I, even now to this day, like if he needs to stay up all night to do something, he'll do it. And then he'll come into the office the next day like nothing ever happened. He'll be talking to Joe. He'll be talking to the team. You know, he's not going to have bags under his eyes. I don't know how. 
Um, you know, he's going to take care of whatever he needs to take care of on his end and be there for everybody else. And consistently, you know, this stability is not short term stability. You know, everybody likes to romanticize that. Right. Oh, handle one situation correctly. Do this right. But it really is a marathon. You know, I don't know if you've mentioned that before, but you like to say that a lot, that it, it is a marathon. It's a lot of stuff that needs to get done all the time. and It has to happen consistently. So I'm um, certainly very impressed with you in, in the best Thank ways. You. Yeah. And that also goes for the team, too. We see that in our team. And obviously, you know, I never expect anyone on the team to have to output what I do. You know, I actually do it so they don't have to most of the time. Um, but I don't expect that from anyone, you know, on my team. I don't, I don't have, you know, bad expectations or anything like that. But um, and I completely agree with everything you said about, you know, entrepreneurship, everything. like. I think that was a good take on it. And... Um, yeah, we, we wouldn't trade it for anything, honestly. And it's it's continuing that trend. It's never changed. Even when we used to argue a lot, we still loved what we did, you know? Right, exactly. Um, you know, and even when I was, I guess a, a little good story time is when um, when I was still at Delaware and you were still at Rowan, I used to pick him up on the way home that yep. one fall semester that I was still in college every single weekend. And so we'd be talking for like two hours about this one website gig we got and that was the only gig <laughs> we had going on or something right. like that. Um so yeah, we and you know we've had some good times and and obviously like like I said, society kind of gave it has given a tainted you know look into entrepreneurship, but there's still a lot of good to it. Don't think with what we're telling you that you know we don't want to scare you away from it or you know scare you away from what you're currently doing or what you want to do. But just keep in mind that there's a lot more to it than than what meets the eye. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, I think that's that's it. That's well the next thing I have down was, I guess, a question for you. So I was doing some research today. I was just looking up you know, entrepreneurship facts, anything else I could include um, to help educate the audience tonight. And one of the things I saw was that younger entrepreneurs, if they're, if they're an entrepreneur, they tend to have fewer friends. Hmm. And I, I was thinking about it because I, I don't feel that way. I just thought it was a weird fact to bring up. Like, I know we work very hard, but we, I think we maintain our, our social life pretty good and, and balance right. it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I wonder, um, well, for one thing, young entrepreneurs shouldn't have the time to fill out research questions like this. But in all honesty, uh, I don't know if I necessarily, um, well, I don't, I'm not going to say I disagree, right? Because I can only talk about my specific experiences. Uh, if that's how uh, the general consensus is, then perhaps that's true. Um, but personally, I don't feel like I've had to give up any friends for this. Um, and you also got to understand the difference, right? So, you know, Matt and I are friends, obviously, but there's a much deeper level of friendship between him and I and, you know, me going to a party and hanging out with some kids, you know, from wherever, whoever's local to that area. Right. So there's decisions that can be made. You know, I can be working on a website or on a gig with Matt, um, you know, talking about something for the company or I can go to, you know, a party or if I'm old enough, a bar or a club, whatever. And sure, meet people there. So perhaps uh, from a numbers standpoint, right, if you if we assume that every single person you meet, you know, 50 percent of them are friends, um, then you could you could probably develop a statistic. But realistically, as far as like actual meaningful, you know, social interactions, um, I'm very satisfied with myself and where I am. Uh, I'm very blessed to have my friends. I think the people in my life are the most amazing thing in my life. And they support um, your journey. You know? Right, exactly. So um, I, I would say that if you're afraid of losing friends, uh, don't be. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and I agree with him. I have lost a couple friends, and I think, and not directly maybe because of, um, you know, what I do, but I, I've had to get rid of toxic relationships within my right. life that, uh, you know, didn't support what I do or hindered my performance. Uh, at the company because at the end of the day anything that goes on within the business is my, I don't want to say my fault because that's a negative term but is a, a, because of a direct action because of me you know and I'm willing to do absolutely anything for the company no matter what it takes if that means um, you know sacrificing something in my personal life or etc then I don't think twice about it anything else to add to that? right yeah I think that's that's perfect just like that alright moving on so Next topic is what it takes to be your own boss slash be an entrepreneur. We wrote down just a couple of notes um, that we'll talk about. So self-discipline, <laughs> obviously that, that's a gimme. Um, that's implied. If you don't have discipline, you will not make it far in any field. I feel like even in right, college. Exactly, exactly. But I think what we do requires a whole other level of discipline because like Andrew said, we know what we need to do when we need to do it. And we get we get it done, and and that and that's pretty much it. You have anything else to exactly. add about discipline? Yeah, but it's also a matter of doing it. Um, 
it's not it's not to say that you need to be some crazy advanced or like ridiculously um you know well-disciplined person like you, you got to be super stable to to run a company it's just that when things are challenging or when things come up that you don't want to do you got to do them mm. it's just like that and um i, I think from an, uh, a number standpoint you know yeah there's going to be a lot more things that you have to take care of and a lot of you know issues are going to come up right it's like it's almost like solving a homework problem that never ends there's just kind of more problems after it but you kind of just go through it you know and, and you find all the other things you know um don't expect things to ever stop don't expect uh to ever even if you build the most perfect business you know with the most amazing team and the best you know client portfolio stuff is going to come up there's going to be right. stuff that you have to deal with that's going to be negative um so for sure i think that's very important absolutely and as an entrepreneur i mean if you truly like what you you shouldn't want it to stop anyways right you know but um, I guess moving on to willingness to take risks. So, I mean, I guess for me and personally, he'll be able to speak of it too, but I have to make decisions sometimes um, that I need to know 100% that, you know, it's it's a good decision for the business. And I've had to make multiple decisions that could have plummeted us or, or put us in a really bad place, you know? So I, I still have to be willing, despite knowing the consequences, to make these decisions on a daily basis. Um, uh, Right. That. that was actually the thing that stood up to me most about Matt when I first met him was just his ability to kind of calculate these risks and take them. I, at the time, was a very, I know I loved risks. I, I love, I was a very athletic person. So that kind of comes with the whole sports things, right? They romanticize the risk versus reward type situations. Um, you know, I'm into cars, right? That's inherently dangerous, right? And, and all these other things. So I knew that I kind of had that background, but it also wasn't my company, right? So I had a lot less risk with any decisions. Um, you know, so so when Matt would tell me, hey, here's a situation, I don't know what, when, you know, what to do, or maybe here are kind of my options, what do you think? You know, obviously I got to take into account the fact that I can be a lot more liberal, for lack of a better term with that, than, um, than he can, right? Because he's got uh, stuff to lose. But I was very impressed with his willingness to say yes to challenges, his willingness to say yes to risks. There were a lot of things that, you know, I expected, okay, you know, like, you know, good family household boy isn't going to go out there and say, we got a green screen when we don't have a green screen and don't know how to use it. But, you know, he says, hey, can we figure this out? Probably. We've never shot one before, but we know the concepts. Okay, sweet. Yes, we have a green screen. Send us the couch. That's you know, that's just one example. Um <laughs> Yeah. And a lot of stuff, again, obviously we understand that uh, some of these things also involve our clients. And when we first started up as an agency, there were situations where, you know, you know, taking us on was a risk for different people. Right. So we had clients that started with us and we said, hey, we'll shoot, you know, this video for you. We've never done a video like that for you. So we understand that by hiring us to do something we've never done, even though we technically on paper can produce it, you know, you're taking a risk. So we're going to give you the appropriate rates. We're going to give you the appropriate attention, you know here's your reward and we have clients actually now through just reputation with us that are able to um you know that, that that we from a monetary standpoint favor in the sense that they were there for us when nobody else was and when they didn't have to right, right? they right. were there for us when they said can you do this and we said we don't know and they said okay we want you to try you know and since that worked out since they took that risk now here's their reward you know they're able to get better rates on some things you know they're able to um you know, work with us more results, closely on some you know? stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're seeing those results and uh, for sure risk is very important uh, aspect here. The next thing is, is that we have written down is demanding respect. So obviously at, we're, we're pretty young. Um, so making sure that we receive the same amount of respect from our, our team members um, because they are a lot older than us um, is something that takes you know, that's, that's got to be a character trait that you possess, you know, or you will get crushed. And even from a managerial standpoint, you know, Andrew, I, I think I know he's definitely more strict than me, which is why I have him in the position that he is, because I'm, I'm not like that. I'm usually the opposite. I'm more of a nice guy, more lenient. Um, and I've had discussions with clients before about this, where other family members and, and family businesses with them, you know, they can compare them, you know, one is more friendly, one's more strict, and this is how it worked out, you know, so that's why I have Andrew there to compliment that that trait and right. I think he does it very well because not like it's, it's not even like someone has to do it it's more of just that's who he is so you know you know it's it, funny you actually say that because um I mean it just depends on our interactions with each other and and with everybody else because I never have to be overtly strict with anybody on the team and we've been incredibly lucky um 
And, and I guess that a lot of the stuff that you say is, is based off of um, being a fledgling company. Again, coming back to the title of being, you know, 19 and 20 when we were doing these things, um, any of the kind of dirty work, for lack of a better term, uh, did kind of fall onto my shoulders. But even now, I think you and I do a very good job of maintaining the team. I can't remember the last time I criticized anybody, even in a constructive way, like genuine constructive criticism. I can't remember the last time I did that for anybody on the team. Um, realistically it's, it's offering ideas right right you know offering hey here's your solution um you know here's probably another solution consider it right you yeah. know uh you know working together with a team but it's very interesting you kind of bring that up because i never even really realized that um uh -huh. and, and you're right to say it but that is kind of um you know my personality trait versus yours exactly well either way you're more willing to be strict but oh for sure not, I'm... so but um <laughs> I guess moving on to the next thing is being a personal leader. So what we mean by that is obviously we are someone's boss, but we also have to be there for them as a person. You know, everyone here wants to be treated like a human being. So just because someone's underperforming, that doesn't mean, oh, look at their numbers or out the door. Maybe something's going on within their personal life that they may want to talk to you about. Or maybe there's something we can assist with or connect them with some people that can help them. So being a personal or friendly person um, is something you definitely have to possess. And that's something, I mean, I did right at the bat and he did too, but we've both improved on it right. um, in, in the past couple of years. Anything to add to that? Or? Um, yeah, exactly. Coming back to what I previously mentioned, you know, we're very close knit. I mean, it's a little bit cliche to say that, you know, we're all, oh, we're like a family. Yeah, of course. You know, everybody's going to say that about you know, they're, they're the closest people, whether it's their company or their friends or whatever. But of course, we're like a family, but it really is that kind of, you know, personal understanding. And the biggest thing is you got to understand that the people that work for you, the people on your team, um, you know, they're doing their best. You know, they're, they're always putting their best foot forward. Um, and it may be worse than it was last week for whatever reason, but they're still, you know, giving their all again. And if somebody is blatantly, you know, sabotaging projects, then obviously, you know, that's not a person that you want on your team. But at this point, we, we don't have anything like that, you know, so always kind of just thinking about any situations, anything that goes wrong, you know, this person did their best, you know, how can I help this person versus being upset? You know, it's never going to help, right? Being upset at somebody I can, and there are situations, right? They come up, there are definitely situations, even there are situations where I've done something where Matt's been upset. I'm certain of it, but at no point has Matt ever come up to me and said, what the heck is going on? This is incorrect. That's incorrect. Are you even trying? Like, what are you doing? You know, it's always, if something come, come, comes up and something has to be addressed, you know, you know, you address the team and you say, hey, this is kind of what happened. This is what we were hoping for. What are the steps that we can take? You know, what are your ideas? What are my ideas? Let's compare the two. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I guess moving on to uh, what's next. Oh, this is the big one. Separating personal life from business. For me, this is sometimes easy, sometimes not. Um you want to, you know, you go first. I'm going to get my thoughts together on this. Um, yeah, I'm honestly trying to think too. Um, a lot of Matt's friends are a lot more involved with the company uh, than my friends are, mostly for the fact that at the end of the day, it's Matt's company. Um, you know, he's got all of that weight on his shoulders. His friends and family is going to be a lot more involved um, than, for example, my own. I don't know if have my parents even been to the office. This is an interesting I question. So. I don't, I don't think, think so. they have. And it's not to say that they're not massively supportive. They are. And I and I, you know, love and appreciate them. It's just a matter of they don't realistically need to see it. They've mm -hmm. seen pictures of it. Um, you know, maybe even they have been to it at some point, but they're not as involved as as, you know, with you. So for me, they are they are separate. Um, and it's they're they're fused together by the fact that most people like no most people in my most of my friends know you know what I do and um, my friends are also very proud of me so I'm very lucky so I never have to explain to anybody you know if I meet somebody new I absolutely never even have to mention the company my friends will say oh my god did you know he works for he works for uh, Everyday Espo he does all this cool stuff they do marketing they're this great team you know my friends are always very supportive of me in that sense. Um, but for me, it is it is separate. You can't let the two affect each other. So you can't let the stuff that happens uh, within the business world affect your family life and affect your friends. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, they love you and they support you. Um, even if it might not seem that way at times, they do want what's best. You know, they mm -hmm. just have different ideas and vice versa. You can't let the stuff that happens at home influence any of your um, right any of the stuff that happens at work. And it takes a lot of strength, especially for me. I'm somebody who um, was very, at least coming out of high school, was incredibly affected 
uh, based my entire self-image off of what other people said about me. So for me, if I'm coming into work and on the way to work, somebody says that they didn't like something about me or something wasn't right, something at home happened, that's going to mess up my whole day. And it's going to take a lot of effort for me to pull myself together and to deflect that. Um, so it's definitely a skill set that you develop over time uh, with the whole business thing. Um, I'll let you take care of uh, what you want to yeah. say about it. Yeah, I think it's it's a skill that takes time to develop, you know, and like I said, for me, I don't expect what the output that I have to do. I don't expect my team to come in and do that, you know, but separating my personal life from the business life has come into play so many times. And, and Joe will know this too. You know, when my grandfather passed away last summer, you know, I was, I was at the office four hours later, moreover, because, you know, I knew he would want me to be there and he'd want me to be working. He wouldn't want me, he wouldn't want me to stop. But uh, it's things like that, that take a lot and a while to develop, you know, that, that type of, of skill set, And even just on a daily basis, Everyone has stuff going on in their lives. I have to come in every single day, which is fine with me. No matter what is going on, I have to come in with a smile on my face, ready to support whatever the team needs, deal with any clients, whatever may be going on, which is fine with me. That's just part of the job description. But it's definitely a skill, a skill set, because I'm sure there's been so many times, like dozens of times that I've been so upset over something, whatever, whatever's been going on, but I come into work and they wouldn't even know it. Right, you know? exactly. I was just about to say too, I I can't tell. I genuinely, like as close as we are uh, and as much as we see each other and work together, um, again, you'll tell me most of the time if something's up or if something's not right, mm -hmm. whatever, if, as, on, on a personal you know level, you'll tell me. But if, uh, if you took Matt and threw him in a bunch of different situations every morning and then had him come into the office 10 minutes later, within two, three, four hours of being there, unless he said something, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I genuinely would not be able to know. And I couldn't imagine what it would be like if you came in a wreck and the rest of the team was, was to try and pick you up. Uh, that would be insane. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, your clients too. You're going to be there for your clients. I know that for a fact with you that there are times when your clients will call you and you know you can tell that stuff's not right with them. You know, and they're and they're they're coming to you for support, mm -hmm. um, and that's completely outside the scopes of marketing, and completely outside the scopes of any sort of services. You know, whatever. That's absolutely not something that we offer. We're not therapy or anything like that. But it's just the fact of you know you build these relationships with people. You know, that stability is definitely going to be appreciated, and and knowing how to separate those two things, and knowing you know how to deal with them on different levels, even within you know a client. I mean, come on, that's business and personal at the same yeah. time. There even within one conversation, being able to separate these two things out and deal with them accordingly is, is definitely a skill. Yeah. Really good story time. Uh, to go along with what we just talked about, it's the fact that during this podcast, and you're going to say you wouldn't have been able to tell, but I got a text from a friend who I'm close with their aunt, and they were just in an accident, but you wouldn't be able to tell that something went on in my personal. You right. know what I'm saying? No, and they're fine. They're crazy. fine. <laughs> I, but that just happened during the podcast. Right. Well, there you go. There's an example of stuff that And that just goes on. to show you separating, you know, personal life from business life um i guess moving on to having to earn our place like everyone else right so we may be the bosses or, or however you want to go about saying it but we have to earn our, our our place like everyone else does on a daily basis if we come in here sipping you know martinis or whatever oh, that goodness, is going on imagine? over here then we're not going to get anywhere so we still have to earn our place um and the last thing we'll talk about when it comes to you know what it takes to be your own boss or be an entrepreneur uh is 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 realizing when you're wrong and dealing with the loss of control i know that's a big one for you so i'll let you talk about the control part right so i grew up um, again, for one thing from a technical side, right? So technical stuff is ones and zeros. It's right or wrong. You know, you can't write a program that kind of works. It either works, it fulfills what it's supposed to do, or it doesn't. You know, everything like that, even playing video games. If I install a mod on Minecraft, either the mod is installed and it functions or it doesn't. So for me, I was always in control of everything that I wanted to be in control with, of, and it was always kind of a yes, no binary type of situation. And coming into the business world and first interacting with Matt and we would fight all the time because I had a specific idea. Um, and from there that I believe that that idea is right and that no other ideas, not that they have the right to exist, they have the right to exist, but they're not right. They're not as good, you know, and 
you know, being able to really understand that, well, for one thing, a lot of the times I'm wrong. I could be completely convinced. I could write an entire essay on why the following decision has to be made and why a different decision is not as good. And I, statistically, I might even be right. On paper, I might even be right. But there's more to it than that. You know, there's so many other variables that are completely incalculable. Uh, so it was a big thing for me. And originally, you know, fighting with Matt and stuff like that, for example, The Office. I mean, even to this day, if I wanted to rationalize getting getting an office at the time when we did, all of the cons would be the overhead and the costs and the prices and the situations and having to drive there and back. The fact that the team doesn't meet up too much to begin with, let alone needed its own office, etc. All these cons, you could write them out. You know, the only pro realistically is, well, now we have an office. We've got a place to bring clients and we've got a place for the team to come together, right? doesn't make any sense but 110 percent the office was the right decision not even it's not even remotely close you know on paper might not make any sense but in reality it's it's exactly that way um so definitely coming to terms with the fact that there are so many other variables that i can't control and the other thing is that i don't have to be responsible for everything you know um the loss of control aspect comes down to if I'm shooting a film or if I'm shooting a video, say I go down to Circle BMW and I'm doing a car spot, I'm manning the camera, I'm doing the microphones, I'm doing everything. I know exactly what I'm doing. I can control myself and I'm responsible for my actions. If I send somebody from my team down there and I don't come with them, they're, I'm relying on them to do the entire video. But at the end of the day, if Circle BMW calls and has a problem, I'm going to be dealing with them. You know, Matt is going to be dealing with them. All of that is going to reflect on us. So there's a certain level of trust that if unless you develop that from a young age, you know, through school, through your family, through extracurricular activities, you know, team sports and all that jazz, um, you know, you're not going to be used to that. You're definitely not going to be used to letting go of things. Um, and the other thing is you're not going to be used to just giving it to somebody who's way better than you at that, you know, to this day, um, or at least at this point in time, I know that if I've got a video to shoot, there are guys on my team who are way better than me. There's absolutely no question about it. And I would be better off every single time giving them the camera and giving them the equipment and having them take care of it than, uh, than do it myself. And the same thing kind of goes for you too, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Cause I've had to, I've had to learn to offload tasks. You know, that's been a big thing is, is letting the control go. It's not, it's not even like I'm a controlling person, but I just like to do it because I know it's getting done right if I'm exactly. doing it and I don't want to rely on anyone else, but it came to a point and it's come to a point for a, a good percentage of, of what I do that I've had to offload that to other people and rely on other people, which is something I needed assistance to come to terms with, you know, Andrew and, and, and Cortez would help me out with that all the time. And that would be usually the main discussion during our management meeting. Right. Exactly. I was just going to say that our meetings would be exactly that the offloading of tasks down the, you know, pyramid. Mm -hmm. All right, I guess moving on to the third and final topic of episode two is our position breakdown. So we'll just be giving a little bit of insight into our daily lives. Um, so I guess I'll start. So obviously I take care of all general business duties. So I, I, I still deal with like the accounting, like payroll, taxes, all that stuff. Um, technically I'm the company account manager and what I mean by that, and Andrew's too, but uh, we kind of divvy it up. I'll deal with the client engagement and interaction and the client relationship essentially. Uh, so everything that goes on um, other than, you know, and that has to deal with whatever the project managers aren't dealing with, you know, until we can get someone in here to, that'll be their main job. But for now, me and Andrew are taking care of that. Um, team communication and internal management. So every day I'm, I'm pretty much go, you know, up and down monday.com, which is our team management software system. And I'll see what tasks and what's being completed. So I'll text the person, say, hey, like, how's this going? Do you need anything from me? Or I'll text someone their to-do list. And I know I know, I don't have to do it because that's why I'm paying $150 a month for this damn software <laughs> in the first place. But, you know, that's just me and that's that's what I like to do. Um, the next thing, so I, I stick my hands within the social media department. Um, so I take care of some of the accounts that we run and stuff like that. So technically I am completing some of the services that we offer. Um, all incoming inquiries that are, have nothing to do with the sales department, like calls to the office or like emails, you know, I'm still taking care of that. Um, I still run, I mean, we divvy it up, but I do run a lot of errands on a daily basis because like, well, I don't I don't really want to pay anyone else to do it. You know, if I need to go do this or do that, well, I'm a person, I have a, a car with four wheels. I can go do it myself. There's no reason right. to offload it. Um, and you know, there's the tedious stuff like 
I clean the office every single day. Everyone who hangs out with me at, at night, you know, friend wise knows there has to be a 15 minute stop at the office so I can wipe down the tables and get the place ready for whatever the next day may, uh, may bring. Um, and yeah, basically if anything is going on within the company, I'm, I'm responsible for it. So I have to make sure I'm there to, you know, take care of it. Um, so I take on many different hats within the, uh, I guess, position breakdown. Right. Yeah, exactly. The years. Uh, so for, my, for myself, I take care of a lot of the technical side of stuff. I make sure that all the equipment is running correctly. You know, so here's an example. Currently, we have a problem with our battery grips for our cameras. We didn't want to buy the Sony battery grips because one battery grip and like two Sony batteries costs more than all of the accessories that we have for these Sony cameras at the time. And we don't need a battery grip to be able to run it. So again, you know, cutting some costs, we're able to get the stuff that we need to get without spending a huge amount of money. But now we've got an issue. Both of them are bugging out and now I've got to solve it. So I can take it apart, literally take it apart. I know what the problem is. I know where the connectors are um, and decide maybe I want to cut the connectors from the battery grip altogether. It's interfering with some of the settings on the camera. I can delete that function from the grip altogether because the problem is that we just want we want the battery space we, mm -hmm. we don't want to pay for all of the we don't realistically tilt the camera to the side and even if i did i could reach the other shutter and the rest of my team could too um but that's just an example right so dealing with the equipment the other side is making sure that everything's updated if a new camera comes out so for example canon just released the r5 and the r6 series and i've been a sony fan for the last five years and i don't know what to think anymore they're absolutely stunning cameras um, I haven't actually had this conversation with Matt yet because he, he he doesn't want to know how much they cost. <laughs> Absolutely incredible, stunning cameras. So now I got to make the decision um, when it's time for us to upgrade. Are we going to switch our entire Sony lineup and our entire Sony skill set to these new cameras? That's just one example. Behind me here, you can't see it if you're listening to it, but you'll be able to see the camera uh, if you're viewing this on YouTube or wherever else the video is posted to. That's a Sony FS5. You know, at some point that thing's going to become pretty obsolete already. It's not the newest camera on the market. It's phenomenal for the value, uh, but there's stuff coming out all the time. Uh, I know that my team loves black magic stuff, right? And there's going to be more of this talked about in the, uh, in the upcoming episodes, but now I got to make a decision. I'm going to take everybody's opinions, everybody from the team, discuss the cameras, discuss our options and say, okay, if this is our budget, if this is kind of the, 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 uh, you know, the stuff that we're working with, what can we do to get everybody to where they want to be? You know, I think, I know that a lot of people would love to shoot on some black magic stuff. So that's just some technical side, some of the equipment, you know, the other stuff is constantly having to learn how to add value to our work. Um, all the time I'm learning something new. So for example, today, literally today, when we film this, um, I did a video for the Barter Saves Network, you know, that uh, we were very happy with. It was a reshoot, actually, um, because there were some mistakes that were made. And, you know, some of the stuff that happened with the first one was imperfect. That's very rare for us, actually, to reshoot a video. I can't really think of more than when have we ever reshot more than the one time we had to reshoot it. Super simple video. It's about a minute long. It wasn't a problem to redo it at all. You know, it was a decision that they wanted to make, you know, hey, let's reshoot it. Sweet. So today I'm sitting there learning how to adjust my audio levels for a person speaking if I want to cut them before they make a mistake, but I don't want to lose a sentence. Right. So every sentence, you know, comes to a certain stop. You know, um, how do I implement that electronically into a video without having just a hard cut in the middle of a sentence that doesn't go anywhere? You know, again, that's something that I learned today. And there's always something new every single day. And from there, everything that I'm learning, everything that I'm understanding do I need to portray that to the team? Does the team know about this stuff? And what else can I learn from them, right? Because I'm not inherently a filmmaker. We have guys with film degrees. So a lot of the time I'll say, okay, I want to learn on how we can better color our footage, for example. I've got guys who know way more about that than me, who have way more experience about that than me. So I'm going to read every article that I can possibly find on whatever topic it is. I'm going to reach out to the team. We're going to compile these opinions. And then in my head, I have to say, okay, this is what we've come, you know, come to terms with. How do I now spread this information? Do I need to spread this information? A lot of the times, you know, our team's very close. They're going to be all on the same page. I don't have to teach any of them anything. Um, I don't have to say, okay, this person said this. What do you guys think? We all have very similar ideas. And then the stuff that's different stylistically, you know, those are different styles. You don't have to, you know, change people's styles. Everybody gets to keep, you know, doing what they love doing the way that they love doing it here, you know, but definitely another, um, you know, aspect of integrating everything together, integrating everybody together. Um, let's see. 
Um, obviously software, software is a big one. If I'm running the whole computer side of things, I need to keep the rig updated. I need to keep all the Adobe stuff updated. I need to take care of all the stuff. If there's new software that's coming out, that needs to be updated. Recently, I reinstalled everything on the rig, completely redid the Windows setup, redid all the drivers, all the everything, realized that I had a problem in the BIOS, which is the deep, deep, you know, motherboard side of computers that wasn't running the computer the way it should be running. Fixed a lot of problems that we were having even with a very expensive, very quality rig, genuinely made it much better. Again, if we don't stay on top of these things, if you don't constantly maintain your gear, your team, your equipment, everything's going to fall apart. And then lastly, I would say is that definitely if something goes wrong, I'm in charge of uh, from a technical side fixing it. So if somebody's website goes down, you know, it's going to go to me first. And then from there, I'm going to say, okay, maybe there's somebody on my team who's very familiar with this. You know, I a few months ago learned how to FTP into a server didn't know how to do that but there's definitely people on my web dev team that know how to do that and now i know that i can always you know reach out to a specific person and get that done but i also have that uh that information for myself so i can take care of it when it goes wrong same thing with different accounts sometimes there will be a client who's not seeing the results uh that they're hoping to see and you know the results that we're hoping to see from our content let's take the whole thing let's decrypt the entire service let's figure out what's going wrong you know why is this digital advertising campaign not performing why is this web page not getting as much clicks you know what's wrong with the blog what's wrong with uh you know whatever else is going on so definitely a very big part of that is just um not micromanaging but quality controlling different things um and being able to get in there and fix them and uh the joke that i was going to make is that before it doesn't really happen so much now because i've kind of started to believe in myself but um if something needed to be done, Matt would always tell me and say, hey, the following things needs to be done on the following website. And then he would just ignore everything I said. And all I would say is that's impossible. That's definitely not going to happen. I've never done anything like this. This is, you know, multi-thousand dollar thing that you want me to do. I don't have the skills. I don't have the processes. Nobody, Nobody's done this before. And Matt would just leave. He, he knows that I'm upset. He knows that I'm unhappy with the situation. Um, you know, obviously, if there's an actual concern or an actual question, he'll listen to it. But he's going to ignore all of me. Um, you know, ranting and rambling about how this isn't going to work. And, you know, by the end of the day or by the end of whatever the deadline is, we'll find a way to make it happen. You know, I'll find the resources necessary. I'll reach out to my team. We'll bring everything together and we'll solve the task that seems impossible at the time. Sometimes it's even little stuff. Five minutes later, he'll be like, oh, that's done. Right. Something <laughs> like that. So I just learned to, you know, do that. <laughs> oh, boy. But um, I don't know. I think that's good to close off that topic. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's perfect. So I guess moving on, I wrote down here a couple of like funny facts about being, you know, business owners or managers at such a, a young age. Uh, so the number one thing is none of your team members will know <laughs> what to call you, whether that's like sir, boss, right. or something like that. I've had multiple people. I don't, neither of you did that, which is fine. That's not what I want. Um, but I mean, a good majority of everyone on the team other than you guys used to call me sir or, or boss i'm like oh, it's, it's matt right so exactly that was just exactly. something funny to mention um and the next thing is that your clients may or may not call you kiddo right that's always funny <laughs> well the response i didn't say I, I never say this but the response in my head is usually well this kiddo just made you forty five thousand dollars on your black <laughs> friday sales so if it's kiddo that's fine right exactly um and the last thing I wrote down was, you know, by the age of 25, I'm hoping to make all the bulk of my financial mistakes, whereas most people, it may be 35 to 40 or some, some people are even late bloomers in that, you know, so I'm hoping uh, I make all my financial mistakes by then. Um, so, yeah, just a couple funny things I wrote down that just popped in my head. Right. I just just moving on quickly to the story uh, slash lesson of the week. Do you want to start out or do you want me? Yeah. So mine is definitely uh, never stop because something seems too difficult, you know, between Matt locking me in a room and having me solve a problem that I'm screaming about how it's impossible or, you know, Matt taking on risks and, uh, you know, taking on projects that maybe we don't know if, you know, we're going to do them the way that we want to do them, but we have mm -hmm. a vision. We have an idea. We believe we have the skill set. you know, go for it. And same thing, you know, in everybody else's lives, um, I mean, maybe we've just been incredibly lucky, uh, but a lot of the time, you know, I've noticed that confidence definitely is key, you know, taking on a project that as long as, I mean, you're not lying about your capabilities, you know, as long as you, you really can do it, um, you know, even if you're not 100% confident in it, you know, definitely do it. Um, a lot of this stuff, you know, even like when I first learned, you know, color grading, that seemed absolutely impossible to me. Now, I mean, everything that I ever produce is color graded and that takes 
not too long at all. I'm used to my cameras. I know how I shoot. I know the look that I want to achieve. Not too difficult. Uh, you know, same thing with like originally when I called GoDaddy on the phone because we were having a problem with our website and the guy on the other line said, oh, have you ever FTP'd into a database before? And in my mind, I was like, I have no idea what you just said. And I was like, sure, definitely. Uh, give me the link. Give me the uh, give me the key and the, the pass that it you know takes to FTP into a server. You know, definitely, uh, you know, take on the challenges. You know, you're definitely going to fail at some of them. But no, it's better to, to fail at something oh, of and learn from it than to just, you know, close yourself off altogether. I mean, failure leads to success at the end of the day. So. Exactly. I guess moving on to my... I guess lesson of the week. Um, I wrote down: don't let a, a few bad seconds or minutes ruin your day. You know, I run into this sometimes where I have a you know negative interaction with a client or just something's not going well, and I have to learn that that's only five minutes of my 24-hour day. So if I let it affect me for the rest of the day, then the rest of the day is going to be crap, and that may lead into the next day. So you just have to you know let go on some things and. Like I said, don't let a few bad seconds ruin the rest of your day. You know, you can overcome whatever hardship that is um, and, and, you know, bounce back from it stronger, even if it's smaller things. It doesn't have to be something huge and kind of take it from there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's pretty much it for the topics and the content for this episode. We do want it to be known that this is not going to be the end of discussion in terms of entrepreneurship. Of course, it's part of every episode. Right. Um, everything we discuss is is somehow tied to entrepreneurship, but we will be doing a couple more segments uh, directly on this topic, kind of diving deeper. This is more of just like the basics and, you know, just getting to know us on and our journeys, um, but we'll be diving into that more. Just giving a little sneak peek into next week's episode. It is titled Let's Talk Photo and Video, where we're going to have a couple team members uh, from EDE and EDS come on the podcast with us. Just talk a little bit about the creative side of things. Um, talk about our services, how we do them, why we do them, you know, all that good stuff. And as you can see already, Andrew's one of our uh, guys that is, you know, that loves to do uh, photo and video stuff. Like right. I'm very creation. excited. Definitely yeah. excited. And, and content creation in terms of photo and video is uh, one of our mainstream services. Um, so yeah, next week, Let's talk photo and video, and we'll be having some of our guys on, so be able to start meeting some of our, you know, team members that we have. We'll start uh, showing some some of the talent we have off. But like I said, we don't we don't want to show off all our cards yet. But um, lastly, make sure you know you guys can email us at info at everydaypodcast.biz. That's biz at the end, or visit us at the website at everydaypodcast.biz. That's b i z, or follow us on our social media accounts, which, like we stated before, are now fully up and running. Uh, our Facebook's Everyday Podcast.fb or Every Everyday Podcast FB, and our Instagram is Everyday Podcast IG. Andrew, I don't know if you have anything to add, but this is a pretty great episode. I'm yeah, glad we sure. were able to speak our minds. We hope you guys learned something, um, even if it's something small, or take something and apply it to your daily lives. Uh, and like I said, you know, if we help one person in some way, shape, or form, then we're happy with how this came out. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back for episode three next week. And if you didn't watch episode one yet, be sure to go back. We'll see you soon.